Yeah, yeah. yeah. How you guys been? What's been going on? Uh, not too much. My uh, my fridge is broken at the moment, which is uh, such a ball ache. A lot more than you actually think it would be. Can't you just put um, in a little thing and someone comes up and fixes it? Well, I put it in Thursday. I put it in Thursday. It's now what Sunday evening. It's still not fixed. I wouldn't pay my rent. It's been like three days. I I have a I have a note on this screen of an email that I'm going to send. A strongly worded yeah, email. strongly worded email. Send it. <laughs> so, yeah, get it out. But yeah, such a hassle. Like even the water in Illinois just tastes like shit. So you know, having a Brita filter in your fridge, like just drinking warm water at the moment, and um, just more of an arsehole than you think. But otherwise, all good. That is annoying, though. Yep. That is that's not ideal. That's why you went out. You had to get some hydration that didn't taste Gen- like shit. Genuinely, <laughs> I, I went out. I went out to CVS to buy some toothpaste and some bottled water. That's that's why I'm drinking this. One. It's sort of like a homeless purchase, isn't it? In some ways, uh, so you can wipe, really brush your bad. teeth in the water and everything. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, uh, it's like I'm in a motel or something. <laughs> uh, you, It sounds like you're significantly less less well cared well cared for in your current apartment than your hotel abandoned more than anything yeah yeah true i am pleased to say that uh my burn looks a lot better oh yeah it's yeah it's actually like pretty much good now just looks like a little just a battle wound i want your burn to be healed when our burn is healed and comes back and plays a game i I want there to be burn (laughs) consistency it might happen uh it might happen um episode 152 50 though fellas uh I sh- we should have timed it better to have uve as as an episode 150 yeah this, this one's gonna be shit <laughs> and if you haven't if you're if you haven't listened to that uh interview with uve uh please do go and check it was the last episode it was awesome it really was great uh definitely recommend picking it up uh paderborn still doing pretty well uh, they, I think they had a poor result yesterday, but other than that, they're they're doing pretty good. Um, USG, you see them today? Unbelievable. I mean, you do look at that look at that table and, and what they're doing. And considering they just got promoted last year, they're now seven yeah. points clear at the top. Yep, madness, absolute madness. And seven goals today. They beat a, their, a, a poor beer shot still at the. Oh yeah, they're propping up. Shot end of the table. Yeah, they're not doing uh, great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, sp- speaking of which, obviously we just had the international break around uh, Sarmiento and Casado, both playing for for Ecuador in terms yeah. of what they were doing. Um, I heard good things from all accounts. Good. Yeah. I haven't heard anything. Casado so. looked yeah. good. I-, I watched some highlights from that. He, he scored in the ninety uh, something minute to to get a two goal lead, win that game. Um, a couple of really nice passes. I mean, it- He's, it's going to be exciting to bring him back. If feel like he's he works his way into the squad next year. Yeah, Enoch in Enoch on the door. He's super the uh, great timing with that. I suspect that there may be a few conversations between now and twenty twenty two in regards to names on the chopping list come January first if results continue to trend in the same way. Um, and. There's been a lot going on in the international break, boys. We've had uh, we've had a proper managerial merry-go-round that I feel like we've not had in a few years. Uh, I feel like you know a couple of years ago we had this in an international break and it all got a little bit more quiet with the exception of Watford. Uh, but this year we are back in full swing. Um, we had Norwich sack Dean Smith after their first win of the season, uh, or and yeah, their first win of the season immediately sacked him. Uh, and oh, uh, 
sacked um, Farker, not Dean Smith. Yes, yeah. that's it, because Dean Smith yeah. has now taken over. Uh, yeah. Smith was also fired from Aston Villa uh, and promptly found himself straight back in the Premier League uh, with the team a couple of positions below his old club. Um, we also had uh, Eddie Howe finally confirmed as, as Newcastle United. As the manager of any Premier League team. Uh, yeah, it's probably more more to the point. Eddie Howe is rumoured for every job that opened up. But <laughs> Eddie Howe's going to say that job. And speaking of United, uh, in absolute quintessential Manchester United fashion, uh, they wait until the international break is finally over to do their business uh, and <laughs> fired Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, in the early hours of the evening UK time. Um, and well in the late hours for us and he's gone um no idea who they're bringing in yet zinedine zidane yes, are you talking about now. them they don't they have no idea either i think is more, more to the point <laughs> did you hear <laughs> the what they're is, doing they're gonna do an interim of carrick and then hire another interim for six months yeah yeah who does that who's who's gonna take that uh, yeah you know, of, of any sort of stature in the managerial game, who's going to say, yeah, I'll take a contractor's role for, for six months? You're th- Sam Allardyce is the name. <laughs> Pardew, <laughs> back in action. Yeah, I'd love it. Oh, God. Get Pardew back at Manchester United of all places. Um, Mark, Mark Hughes. Well, Nuno's out of a job. Maybe Nuno. <laughs> Maybe they need a, a proven manager, formerly of Manchester United, and Steve Bruce to come and steady it steady the ship yeah he's a nice fella i've heard so yeah, they uh, love them <laughs> all, yeah all, all really of should. these all of these feel entirely plausible because yeah like like adam said that they have no idea what they're doing anyway so you know bring in a, bring in another ex-player get brucey on the phone what's the dumbest decision they can make that will probably be it <laughs> i'm you just sad we're not going to hear the ollies at the wheel song anymore or i think the city fans earlier were singing Ollie's not at the wheel, which I will say is sort of equally enjoyed. Um, it was really, it's really just a great time. It really just, is. Just, just annoying we didn't get to play that Man United team whilst Ollie was at the wheel. Um, I, as is tradition at this point already this season, uh, we, we for a while there in the Premier League, we, we had this trend of getting managers sacked, and now we are now they're getting ahead of it. And they're sacking them before we can get them sacked, so they can come back at us with a new manager bounce. Um, what do you what do you make of the the managerial appointments of the of the teams that have gone out and done done their work? Norwich with Dean Smith, uh, Villa with Stevie G. Um, you know he had a great time at Rangers, but how much of an achievement is that given it's the Scottish Premier League? Uh, and it's I mean we can't talk about Manchester United yet. I think we've just summarised that perfectly well. Um, and then Eddie Howe, we've kind of discussed as well. So, in terms of those two appointments for Norwich and, and Villa, how do you, how do you see those shaking out? Do you think they were good appointments? Do you think that that's going to be enough for Norwich to save the save their skin, or do you think it's one of those things that they're almost thinking ahead to the Championship, given that he took Villa up? <sighs> what I find confusing about the Norwich hire of Dean Smith is Dean Smith hadn't been fired from Villa at the point Farker was fired from Norwich. So they didn't know that they were going to bring Dean Smith in. So that tells me they had someone else in mind. And then some, I think there's some connections with Norwich higher ups and uh, where Smith used to be employed. So that there's a reason that came about relatively quickly. But similarly... Was it not Lampard? 
that was supposedly in the frame. Well, and they turned it down, right? But sh- yeah. surely you have something more solidified than let's give Frank a call and see if he can be bothered. Uh, oh, no, he hasn't. No, let's we'll see what we can do. Um, <laughs> maybe we're giving them too much credit. So it feels like Dean Smith sort of fell into the lap a little bit, which is which is nice. For all intents and purposes, he's a, a fresh start for him, should be nice. I, I, I wouldn't really wish Norwich on anyone unless you really want to win uh, the championship trophy um, and then get relegated and, and then win it again. Uh, so there, there is that bit. I mean, with, with Ollie, like you said, we don't know. He had, to, he had to go after this weekend. You, you can't, I know you had Bruno Fernandez on the pitch shouting at the fans saying, it's not Ollie blame the players. It's like, well, we can blame all of you. How about that? Because you've all been terrible, but Ollie's the one that's employed to make it. So you aren't terrible. So he, after that Watford result, you can't, you can't stay employed, really, can you? It uh, made me think of uh, when Petr Cech came out to the Chelsea fans during ESL gate and yeah. was like, hey, like, you know, we're going to try and fix it. And, like, there's a time and a place. Cech nailed it. Bruno did not nail it at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, easy. And just blame us. All right, yeah. And you're at fault too. Um, and then Steven Gerrard, well, what can we say? We just got beaten by his team. So, yeah. I think they're, they're more astute than I thought they would be. Um, with the Dean Smith, I mean, in terms of Norwich being able to get him, uh, and with Eddie Howe, that's a very astute managerial signing to what maybe I was thinking about. Um, but we'll we'll go into Gerard and the new manager bounce with respect to that. But they seem fairly normal. Um, I know there's a big sort of shift around in terms of the merry-go-round that we're seeing. But uh, yeah, the Howe and the Dean Smith appointments and the CVG one, I, th- I think that pretty good i think we'll, we'll see what happens i think i think the albion uh, and i need to i really want to do research on this and go back and look but i feel like since the championship days we have always suffered coming back after an international break and i don't know what it is but i feel like we generally do quite poorly when we get back um and this this obviously was no exception um we we weren't able to come back and get back to how we were prior uh, and we made one change before the Villa game, uh, we took out Solly March, um, who I had felt in the last episode was quite anonymous in the game uh, against Newcastle. So they brought in Pascal Gross, uh, supposedly a bit more of a you know a creative powerhouse in terms of player teams that may sit back a little bit more. Um, and Jason Steele, obviously coming in for the for the suspended Sanchez for a game. Um, Pascal Gross is coming under a lot of fire and we will get to the players properly shortly. But what did you think about the change overall? What did you think about the lineup? We went with another false nine again um, after it really didn't work against Newcastle, but really worked against Liverpool. Um, we, we went with it again. How did we feel about the lineup, the changes and and the tactical output from the beginning? Lineup was fine and with what I was seeing and the, I guess the personnel involved gross does come under a lot of scrutiny uh, with what he brings to the table and what maybe he doesn't bring. Uh, We need that creative edge. We need set pieces and we need what he can do. Uh, But we were set up to fail again. I think that false nine didn't work at all. Um, Trying to find the gaps between the midfield and defense um, as much as we wanted to try it. uh, The tactics seemed fairly obvious and pass it to the right-hand side and let Lamptey try and work his magic. That was pretty much what I watched for the majority of the game. 
the false nine didn't work again. That has happened again. I think Josh, you were saying with adamant to try and make it work, but it just seemed to just fall by the wayside and try and get it over to the right hand side and try and get Lamptey to win a corner. That that pretty much felt like what we were doing for ninety minutes or seventy eight, considering he came off in the seventy eighth minute. And it all went wrong. <laughs> I was seventy eight. Yeah, it did, didn't it? I, I just, I don't know what Potter is really trying there. I, I think if anything, yes, we're not going to, I don't believe we're going to see this tactic cracked out. We're going to see Mope and the team next time we play. And if we don't, something's gone on. Um, when you look at the players that we had out, I saw that team sheet and I thought, all right, yeah, Webster's in there. Steele's obviously, we'll, we'll see about that. But, for me, he played pretty well for three quarters of that game, if not more. Um, it's. I want to talk about the bigger issue though, and we can and we can get into Gross because he was he felt a bit anonymous to me, quite frankly. That's seven winless games for us. I'm stating the obvious here: eight if you include the game against Leicester in the cup. Three of those games are against teams that just or just about to or just have had their managers fired because they're performing so poorly. And if we don't beat Leeds next Saturday, that's the entirety of October and November where we've not won a game. Um, What I'm concerned about and some of the reaction that we've seen is this fascination that, oh, well, you know, we play good football. We play good football for a lot of that game. We had chances. We could have. We just... If it worked out better at the end of the game, we'd have won it. Okay, well, that works the first time that that, that happens, right? Maybe the second, maybe the third. It's eight games. It's eight games. At a certain point, you have to look at this and go, there is a fundamental problem. And I said last time we spoke before the international break, if we don't win this game, for me, we're in a we're in a bad way. And I think we're there. I think we're there. And it's funny, isn't it? Because we've we said this a couple of weeks ago that it looked like we were slipping into old ways, um, and and we've done it. I, I mean, I think now we can say we definitely are. Um, we are back to peak 2020, 2021 Brighton over Albion. Um, I'm seeing the exact same phrases wheeled out uh, as last season. Um, as you said, we played really well. We we held the ball best, better than them they did. We created good chances, or we were just so close to creating good chances with just one extra touch. Um, I will say, to at least be a little bit positive, <laughs> I thought that that back five of Web, Webster, Duffy, Dunk, Lamptey, and Kukurea is superb. When they're all playing together, it didn't particularly... If Sanchez was in goal, I don't think there was a single moment there where I thought we were going to really concede. If Sanchez was in goal, especially because the one or two times it looked a bit dicey, Sanchez would have came out and claimed them. Steele simply couldn't because he's got six inches less height. Um, and like, what are you supposed to do? I thought, I thought like you, Adam, I thought he handled it absolutely as well as he could for the majority of the game. I didn't feel and- nervous. I didn't feel nervous with him. Whereas Sanchez, he's taller, right? But yeah, th- th- there's five points during the first 45 minutes of football where you're with Sanchez, where you go, oh God, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a funny one. Um, but I thought he was fine. Uh, at, you know, like, 
I feel like we're going to be talking. I have a bad feeling we're going to be saying this a lot this season uh, for the rest of the the, the year. Um, but you know, the stats dominated possession, decent amount of shots, lots of them blocked. Uh, beat them on corners, beat them on just about everything you want to in terms of everything but goals and XG. Um, and, you know, I mean, we had almost double their amount of passes and the majority of them were at least in the middle third as opposed to just pissing around around the back because they allowed us to just come forward. They didn't care because we were playing so slowly. Yeah. Um, and that's the problem, isn't it? it with, with how we play and the commentary team were very... Um, very complimentary about the way we play, like Adam said, in terms of they're always attractive, it's really good. We suffocate teams by having possession. But really, we didn't offer too many problems in any way. You, the midfield is there. You've got it. Yep. Uh, you're trying to create chances. You send it to the right eventually to give it to Lamptey. And I saw him at times triple teamed with a Villa coming over and no real other outlet being there. Um, I saw Cucurella a little bit further back than what Lamptey was. So I was trying to work that out where, what is the plan there? If you're not going to attack on both sides and you are going to be one-sided, how do you get rid of the clear inevitability of being double teamed on that right-hand side? Because no one really came to help Lamptey apart from Lalana a couple of times. It just seemed like he was stranding out there and that was the only outlet. So we've got some comments in the chat around is the problem a striker or is it just the ability to create chances, clear cut chances that just doesn't, isn't resonating with what we're trying to do? Yes, we keep the ball. Yes, we have all the possession. We have all the touches, but are we any real threat? Yesterday tells me probably not. Uh, that And that is a great point because I kept thinking this when I was looking at the fixture list as we sort of slowly slide down the table with an air of inevitability around it, right? This was always going to happen. But I look at, if, if you imagine you're an opposition side in the Premier League right now, are you scared to play against Brighton? Any team? Is any team scared to play against Brighton right now? I think the only teams that are, are the ones that have zero plan B in terms of the way they play and they just play to press, press and attack, attack, attack. I think they're the only teams that have any reason in any reason in any way, shape, or form to fear us. Right, and and that's. I don't look at us and ever think, oh wow, I wouldn't want to go up and face. No, there's not. Of course, you can look at Lamptey and you go, oh, God, he's going to make someone's life a misery, and he did every time he plays. He does, um, but as Craig said, if you if you gang up on him a little bit. Well, then he's not going to be able to put that final ball in. You can you can out physical, out muscle him a little bit, and then suddenly we then do our nice little dance where the ball goes back into the midfield. We start playing sideways passes, and we are not Barcelona of 2015. Uh, there's never a cutting edge through ball. I think I made a note here. We finally put a nice through ball in uh, on the 80th minute, and it was a chipped ball into Moda who for some reason was right there and did nothing with it. That was the first time I was like, oh, wow, an aggressive ball. Or, or something that's different to yes. the status quo that we're yep. expecting. Yes. Um, and then Cucurella in terms, well, when, when he crosses the ball, um, he has a, a banger of a cross on him. And it happened two or three times during that entire 90 minutes or mm -hmm. however long until he came off. 
why aren't we using that left side if we're so focused on that right-hand side to have another outlet? It doesn't make any sense to me that you have all of these very good technical players in keeping the ball and being able to cross the ball, but only really going for one sort of game plan yesterday. I, and that's my opinion in, with what I saw. But dragging it to the right and trying to get Lamptey to create something out of nothing when he's double teamed. And then there's no real outlet after the fact. You just go back and try it again. We, we spoke about Watford a while back where we did target that and it worked effectively. Yeah. Probably. And that's because Watford were at sixes and sevens. They didn't really understand what game they were playing, let alone who they were playing against. But when you're up against Villa, new manager bounce, they do have some very good players. And I don't know why we didn't switch it up. Uh, it seemed very one-sided. It seemed very easy for them to come back. And I think that's part yeah. of the problem too. And I've, I've seen it in the chat a little bit. I've seen it on Twitter a lot yesterday. I agree. We should have done something to mix it up. And then you look at, you look at what we have and you think, well, what, how do we mix it up? We don't have a particular huge amount of game changers in there. Mope should have started for me. I don't. I, I. I wouldn't have persisted with the false nine for another game. Um, but then you look at the rest. Burn. Oh, Dan Burn was on the bench, Adam. Oh, uh, it's wonderful. Yeah, Taylor Richards, uh, Veltman, Lacadia, uh, McAllister, Sonny March, and then Sarmiento. The only one that stands out there in that name list of someone I see that could change a game with his own, you know, directness or something different is Sarmiento, and he's never made in a Premier League appearance. That, that speaks volumes to me that we've got a name a bench of nine and we've got one name on there that I think could change something up and like for like really change something up, really inject something different in there. And he's never even played in the Premier League yet. I'm basing that off of one good League Cup game because we're that starved <laughs> of anything that's a little bit different. Yes, but the Villa bench... They brought on Ashley Young uh, is one. <laughs> El Ghazi, I mean, Leon Bailey, right? Relatively interesting. The rest of the bench, not particularly inspiring. Um, I think it's we can we can make these kind of claims for a number of teams in, in the Premier League. Not everyone has a, has, a, has a City squad or whatnot. But the point is, we have to show something different. Even if we don't have the players that can come in and suddenly you've just got this world-class wild card joker that you just throw into the pack um one thing that i've noticed and, uh, and maybe we could talk about this a little bit what happened to our goal scoring threat at corners because that used to be a bit of a get out of jail free for us and now whenever lamptey kukura goes through does their thing which has been so effective um ball goes out for a corner i never think uh you know we've got a chance here <laughs> I don't understand how we keep sort of not capitalizing on, on, on these types of situations. And when you play this style of play, this indirect possession-based football, you have to capitalize on those chances because they're few, you're searching for them constantly and they're fewer and further between. Right now, the striker is one of, a pro one of the few problems that we have. That initial cross that came in in the first, I want to say sort of 15 or so minutes, there was a there was a ball that came in from Kukurea, 20, uh, 20 minutes or so. Nobody got on the end of it, if you remember. No one yep. dived in there. That's a striker sure. issue, for sure. 
Everything else to me is not a striker problem. There's numerous other problems that we have. Play style, people coming off of the bench, the fact that our defenders aren't scoring in corner situations that they would have done a year ago. These are all question marks for me. That's And that's the, that's the crux of it, isn't it, really? That, you know, there isn't just one thing that's going wrong here. We're, we're watching these games and we're gone on a, a barren spell of, you know, seven, eight, if you include the cup. And you can't label it down to just one issue. You're right that the, the corners just aren't coming. We need to take those chances if your game plan is to head to the byline and cross it in. That You need to be threatening from those. The set pieces, I think that partially one of the reasons why Gross was in there, to take those set pieces and be able to deliver a, a decent ball. Kukurea with that ball... Uh, two balls along the floor as well in that first 20 minutes. And then the second one, the Trossard eventually got on the end of. But yeah, there's there's more than one issue here. And that's the most worrying thing, that one thing isn't going to fix this. And the thing the, the thing that bothers me the most is we is Graham definitely tried to change it towards the end. He made a couple of substitutions that he thought were going to change things up. Uh, he took off Tarek Lamptey for Neil Mopé. Brought on Alexis McAllister, brought on Solly March for Kukurea, uh, and that essentially was our undoing. Um, because the moment Tarek Lamptey came off, uh, we had lost both of our top class wingbacks at that point, um, and Villa just immediately punished us on the break with just total exposure of the wings um, and and popped on forward and, and comfortably put us out of our misery. Um, if if Lamptey had played the full ninety minutes, I, I don't think we I don't think we lose that game. Um, and that's I think we end it nil nil though. I don't think we go ahead and score either. Um, and when you are that susceptible to to conceding goals, especially on a counter attack, which is something that we are just incredibly susceptible to uh, when we don't have those two quicker wing backs. I also think our midfield is totally wrong in terms of the way it's formulated. I think the false nine is a product of that today, like yesterday rather. Like I just think that we shouldn't have been playing the false nine in the first place. I think if you swap out Gross or Moda or Lalana, any of the three for Mope, I think you have something slightly, I think you just have a bit more. Um, but for me, Gross and Lalana, and I said this last year and I'm saying it again, Gross and Lalana are not good they are Gerard and Lampard and Skulls. They shouldn't be playing in the same <laughs> eleven together. They don't yeah. work. I don't know why, because Bisuma and Moda are definitely more physical players. They should have helped balance it out. They didn't. They were still poor. Gross and Lalana should never play together. They, they just don't work for me. And that was evident yesterday. We we had to keep going out to Lamptey, and we had to keep looking wide simply because there was no option through the middle because those two could not get anything going. It never feels like there's an option through the middle for me, though. It like rarely ever feels like that. Uh, it's uh, But that's part through to the design. That's part yeah. tactics that, gr- that, that Potter set us up because we have just this amazing presence uh, on, on the wings. I still feel like we really, really, really miss a Welbeck in this team. And... Um, I mean, who knows at a certain point if he comes back. But but really, for me, all eyes are on on the January transfer window now to see if we can shake some things up. Because <clears throat> if Potter continues to mess about with formations, force nine, bringing in a couple of strikers, one game, changing it to the next, 
that's fine and all, but we're going to have to cover some of that with, with some more quality as we've talked about. Um, the, the other thing that we keep hearing is that I got into a, a discussion with the, with the Bard on Twitter yesterday, Brighton Bard, if you're listening, hi. Um, and it's this sort of idea that we can't, we're not a bad team. We can't be a bad team because of how well we play, the praise that we get for commentators, the praise that, that Potter gets from other managers. How many points do, does that get us? when Graham Lasso on NBC Sports says we did good and Alan Shearer on Match of the Day says we, we keep possession nicely for 85 minutes and then concede. Um, I don't want that. I don't care about what they say. I don't care what other managers say about Potter. I want other managers to hate Potter because that then means they fear him to some extent. And do you know what else I will say to that? Because I agree with you wholeheartedly. And do you know what I, I also think to that? I would point those people to their tweets or their posts on North Stand chat or whatever of them making fun of that same commentary stuff and that same yeah. phrase that goes to Leeds and then yeah. point and then point them to the 11 points on the board. Cause I watched that Leeds Spurs game this morning. I don't know if either of you two did, but you would, you would think that Leeds were four nil up with, and when they were losing two one. They're the most entertaining team in the division. They give it all their all. They're the best attacking team in the division. They're still a joy to watch every game. Are they? They've scored 12 goals this season. Well, we've got the two most aesthetically pleasing football teams playing next weekend. So we should be in for a, a treat. Maybe a sort of a 5-4 game. Brighton-Leeds. Yeah. Um, yeah they're on a, they've got minus eight goal difference. They've scored the same amount of goals as us. They're a joy, <laughs> they're a joy to watch in the offensive third. What? Like, what? They... Like, Again, how many points do they have? They have eleven. Do you know what I mean? Like, I completely agree with you. They can, and we all laugh at that. We all laugh at those commentators saying, "Like, what are they watching? Like, what are they talking about?" Leeds are an absolute mess at times, and we're then having some fans come back and say, "Well, no, it's different because Brighton are getting the same stuff." Great, yeah. we're on seventeen points, and we haven't won a game in seven games. It's a good job we're on seventeen points, <laughs> not like. Do you, we shouldn't be thinking like, oh, we're on 17 points. It's fine. We should think, thank God we're on 17 points. Yes. Thank God we started well. <laughs> well, and, and you've got to think back to that Leicester game uh, where we, we there was an element of, of fortune for us there. Um, and if we hadn't won that game, you have to go back to the 11th of September, that win at Brentford. Never forget. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> that win at Brentford. Not in a hurry. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. I don't know. I think and, yeah, that, yeah. You also have that element of the commentators and bits and pieces. Uh, you you take a glance and you know you force an opinion of one football team based on what everyone is saying about them. But for for those like us that watch it ninety minutes, you know, every Saturday, and we get to watch this and we see a pattern that does not change over and over again, where. We, we sit here, we discuss, we say there's more than one issue out here. We need a striker or we need to create more chances or we need to do this and do that. And we never see anything change apart from trying to change to a false nine, which worked once because it sprung a bit of a surprise. But it doesn't work against these teams that are going to sit back and counterattack us. Um, to Josh's point, if we play a team that is so regimented towards their high press and their, their attacking prowess, then we do stand a chance against them. Uh, every single time because we'll suffocate the ball and we'll take those opportunities away from them. You're going to play some teams that will sit back, relax, and hit you on the counter-attack. Going back to Adam's mantra once again, just let us beat ourselves. Uh, and 
you don't really have to have much of a game plan apart from that. Yeah, it's it, 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 this is exactly the point. The fact that we've it's one once bitten twice shy sort of situation where like we can we can take these kind of games. And I think the other thing, and I know this was said in the, in the chat with the, the old dude brothers, we got to take some positives out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Like let's 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 look at the table. Let's see that we're still above Palace. We're still on the top half of the table. We're not trying to to, to take away anything there in terms of what happened in the first part of the season. Fantastic. But when you look at where we're trending and the direction we've headed and the games against Norwich. Villa and Newcastle where we've come up short that if you said after the let's even say after the Arsenal game we had this fixture list coming up we're going to play Norwich just fired their manager Newcastle, Villa same manager situations and we would walk away from those games scoring one goal I mean come on no, it's not. it's not good enough it simply isn't and for context you know, we 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 beat Newcastle last year. We beat Villa last year. At the same games, we took three, we took six points off of them. We took one this year. That sort of stuff's going to come bite us if we don't start rectifying what's going on. And I know the uh, the old dude brothers said we have a good record against Leeds. Let's hope for a win. We do. We do have a good record against Leeds. We also had a very good record against Newcastle. And there was, you know, it looked. like it looked like they were going to start stinking a win as opposed to us at the end of that game. Um, the goals themselves, the second one was an absolute joke. Um, I, it, it looked like a League One team defending that second goal. I walked away at that goal. I, I walked away at that point. <laughs> um, but, but the first one, you know, it, I think it all goes back to the fact that we made that substitution and, and we we got rid of the two fast wing backs. We had nothing else left to go for. I, it was almost I was almost speechless looking at it because it just seemed so obvious to everybody except for the people on the pitch and the people in the dugout. Um, and I think Graham needs to take full responsibility for that one. I understand that Tarek Lamptey had a bad hamstring. I understand that we're looking to protect Kukurea and all that stuff because he had a yellow card, but. If that's the case, don't don't leave us so lopsided then. Bring on Veltman instead. Because Veltman probably would have just scythed down Watkins. <laughs> Veltman would have got his classic yellow card two minutes after coming on, yeah. And we'd have been fine with that because he wouldn't have scored. Yeah. Fine by me. Um, yeah, it's just, there are a lot of problems. Um, and, you know, the individual performances yesterday, uh, we've already touched on Steele. Thought he did a good job. What it was, um, you know, he was just what he was. Um, I thought Lalana was incredibly poor yesterday. Uh, there were there were times that I forgot he was even involved. <laughs> there was times I forgot he was even playing. Um, and him and Pascal Gross, I've already said, shouldn't be playing together. I just don't like it. I think it's a waste of time. And yesterday, it seemed to be the case because. There was no balance between the two. And if you're going to play them together, there's got to be a balance between the two. You've got to have them just as effective. Yesterday, Pascal Gross had 70 touches of the ball. 70 touches of the ball. And Lana had 33. 
No other player had less touches of the ball than Adam Alani yesterday, barring well, the subs. The problem is here, Josh, is that they went up against sort of the uh, all-star lineup of, of Ramsey, Nakamba and, and John McGinn. You're not going to face that each week. so And, and that's why I'm so annoyed. <laughs> because you look at that list and you think, it wasn't like we were playing... At, Against Everton, it wasn't like we were doing an Alana, Decore, and these right. big, strong midfielders that are just going to make you, like, just run over you. Those names speak for themselves. What? Hey, what, do you, what do you mean Adam Lallana is, is getting the least touches of the ball? Here's the what? plus side, though. I thought Basima had some really good moments. I thought he was really strong defensively. I thought he was started to open up. He played like the Basuma of earlier on in the season for me in certain parts. The problem was it was just he was surrounded by crap um, is what it felt like. Like really a day to forget for Lalana, Moda and, and Gross. Like, pretty not good. I thought Webster also had a few really shaky moments in the first half. A bit of rust maybe is there. But going back to the goal, we... Potter gambled, but on the face of it, I don't judge him for that because at that point in the game, we were, as well as Brighton can do, knocking on the door, right? As in, we were passing the ball around knocking 30 yards. Knocking. Yeah, nice. We were passing the ball 30 yards out from the goal and not actually being much of a threat, but it felt like we had the onus and the impetus to go on and win the game. So I don't judge him for that. But in my notes, I just wrote next to the goal on 84 minutes, what a surprise. Um, how many times it feel like we've been pushed up trying to win a game because we failed to do anything for the first 75, 80 minutes and then suddenly, great. Ollie Watkins comes in, cuts in and scores a screamer despite the fact that he could have just made a five-yard pass and the guy had an open goal. Um, just ridiculous. Ridiculous. I, it's Yeah, I wasn't surprised in the slightest. You know, oh, what a, sh- what a shock because it's happened again. Um yeah, and the less we talk about the second goal, the better. Um, Josh has alluded to just, quite frankly, the embarrassing defence, what we did there and, and how it was managed. They, so, they'd given up. Yeah, and I think that that's what I saw was you, we half and puff and we, we had, like you said, the onus and the impetus to go ahead and make some make some key passes to try and win that game. Um, surprise, surprise, hit us on the counter. Yes, it's a good goal, but... Watkins is going to score that alongside most Premier League strikers. Um, so, and then, like you said, the heads heads are down, tails are down. Um, that that's going to happen. I I think we all saw it coming, and we all pretty much walked away from the TV at that point because that that was it. And Tyrone Mings of of all people as well. So uh, the less said about the better as well. And do you know what annoys me though is that you look at Ollie Watkins and the goal he scored. And you look at this Brighton team all the way through the squad. You look at the entire Brighton squad and you look at that squad. And can you name me more than one player that can do the exact same thing Ollie Watkins did yesterday? I think Trossard and Welbeck would score. Yeah. Apart from that, no. Welbeck would have pulled up 25 yards into that run. and he <laughs> there's, there's that problem, yeah. And, uh, and Welbeck's <laughs> finishing in those one-on-ones is notoriously not great. No. Uh, I'm, I I I envy Watkins, Ings, and Buendia. There's no doubt about that. Villa have a lot more money than we do, and yes, they have a better team than us. That's okay. 
but they've also been utterly terrible. Um, yeah. Shouldn't be losing. Shouldn't be losing in, in the fashion that we lost, in the in the manner we lost. The the, the, the top post on the Brighton Hove Albion subreddit at the moment is is quite funny to me. What matters more to you, results or performances? <laughs> what? I mean that that says everything about where we're at, right? That's <laughs> like that's that's that level of cope that we've got going on. No, I think it's great. What I think is we should just we keep doing this and keep sort of not winning in, in seven, eight plus games let's keep let's keep the streak going and then we'll see at the end of the season how happy we are with the performance yeah because we got because we had loads of possession come on we just just i'm um, looking at twitter on the other screen here just in terms of kaisedo scored in the pro league today against genk um someone from the midfield that can maybe score a goal or two it must be nice does he have, do, can we who is it i keep getting confused on who we can and can't recall we can get him back. Is Sakiri? Can we get Sakiri back? Because he I scored a couple goals in here, the international, and they got a win over. Didn't they beat Bayern? He didn't. Yeah, he didn't they... score, but he played eighty minutes. Yeah. And by all account, looking at like the ratings, like you know, like the who scored ratings, it looked like he wasn't exactly anonymous. Like he was involved. We'll take that. That's an upgrade. Yeah. I tell you, like we've said it a few times, but we loaned out the wrong striker. Yeah, because really as of as of right now, Aaron Connolly is just nowhere to be seen. Anyway, he wasn't even on the bench, was he? Or no. if he if he was, he was never going to come on anyway. He wasn't. He wasn't even on the bench. Brilliant. He's prob- probably in shoes somewhere. Yeah. And we had a question: do we, do we miss Enoch? I think we miss anyone that's going to put in a performance at the moment, really, don't we? Um, is it is it a performance or is it just a shift? <laughs> in, in we'll we'll take action. that goal at Liverpool. Mm. In, in terms of wanting it, uh, you know, the, the heads drop, the tails drop. You know, as soon as something adverse happens, we lose our shit and we lose our call, and it seems to go downhill from there. We're talking about a lot of confidence players in this team, where the whole team's confidence and ability to play just drops completely. Especially when it comes to goal scoring, right? You, there's that that old adage, the cliche about the strikers a confidence game. We just need one. It does feel at the moment, though, doesn't it? When you look at the team, like, can we score? What does that feel like? And I know it's silly to say that, given the fact that we, um, I know we scored against Newcastle. We scored, obviously, at Anfield a couple of games, a couple of goals. But if it, it, it feels like a real struggle for us to just challenge the keeper at any point. Yes, yeah. it's, it's- I mean, it's, it's been that way for years, hasn't it? I mean, we, we had our nice purple patch at the start of this season, but we weren't free scoring or creating loads and loads of chances. We were taking the chances that we had. We were, we were actually creating less chances at the beginning of the season. Then we turn into this peak possession-based yeah. football that creates half-assed chances, and we don't have, I guess, the, the prowess to put them away. Uh, you've got to rely on Enoch curling one over, <laughs> um, Allison, in terms of what he was doing, but I do, I do yeah. think that I do think that playing Enoch yesterday, if he was fit and good to go, I think playing him over Gross would have genuinely made a difference. Yeah. I really do. Um, I do think that it could have provided something different. I think he does provide something different, but he wasn't available. And when you're when you're saying that, and you're like, okay, yeah, I, I actually agree with you. Enoch Mwepu probably could have provided something different. 
and then you realize that that's the only name almost in the entire squad that didn't play that could provide something different it's not very good is it <laughs> just as a sort of a bit of uh, comedic interlude here is i do enjoy enoch on the door if you're listening to this after the fact or we're on the live stream and we have comments going and enoch on the door wrote Enoch literally the only one confident enough to take a shit outside the box <laughs> obviously corrected that afterwards to shot but um something to be said we, we to be fair for the most part a lot of our players are pretty confident to seemingly be quite shit outside the box so it's sort of a relevant statement regardless <laughs> i was gonna say we need to be outside the box in order to to take a shit now, so. <laughs> yeah it uh, yeah it's very much the the opposite james wilson effect isn't it um <laughs> coming out of both ends at this point uh i i want to say who's your man of the match um I, i'm genuinely not kidding where i i really struggled to pick one um so I, I went with the very low-hanging fruit of Bissouma, um, simply because neither goal was, he was at fault at all. They they came in areas of the pitch that were nothing to do with him. Um, he was utterly helpless, essentially. Uh, I thought two tackles he made in particular were bordering on world-class. Um, and yeah. the, the Villa fans were so convinced it was a foul and when you watch the replay back, even the commentary did, even the replay, like after watching the replay, even the commentary team were like, actually, holy shit, that was one of the best tackles you'll see today. Like, that was excellently timed. Um, and that's the Bissouma we know and love. Uh, it was nice to see, regardless of what's happening with him, I know that December 6th, I think, is the next milestone for whatever the hell's going on with him, it was nice to not hear a constant chorus of booze. Um, maybe that helped him out. I don't know. Uh, he's my yeah. man of the match, but it wasn't particularly a... Uh, <laughs> he shouldn't be wearing that crown too uh, too proudly, I think. No, that was... Uh, yeah. Tallest dwarf kind of award. Um, <laughs> I... I, I <laughs> The, in terms of expectation, though, I'll, 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 yeah, this is it, right? You come into this game, we saw how it played against Leicester. Steele did a job for most of the game. He had a couple of... His 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 ownership of his area uh, lacks something. He rarely comes out. He made some flappy, horrible punch in the second half that was got me worried a little bit. But... He could have been a lot worse. Still was decent. Uh, so outside of Basuma, yes. And and really the only other person that you could even think about giving this to, um, well, just, I'm counting them as one person, but it's the two wingbacks. Kukurea did some really good stuff in the first half. Uh, and then Lamptey obviously gave. Anytime Target pushed up, Mings had to come over and try and cover for Lamptey. How did Target not get booked yesterday, by the way? No idea. There was there was one point I think no Lamptey was asking how many times is this going to happen before he does get a yellow? Yeah, easy target. <laughs> uh, sorry, what a pun. I don't, Craig. I, I feel bad that you have to go last here because I, I I don't think there's any other players that you could justifiably even say deserve uh, any praise. No, I'm, I'll try and be positive with the players that we saw. Basuma clear 
with what he brings to the table, the tackles that he made, the interceptions just being there. When he did have possession, he was able to just get out of areas fairly quickly when the press was there. Um, that was great. Lamptey gave it his all with what he was doing, the, the task that he had, uh, making the best out of that situation. Cucurella with those balls in as well. He's a very good crosser of the ball. It's a shame that no one's actually in there to to attack it. So, you know, for what it's worth, getting it into the box is his. I well, that's his it's his job. So he's doing all he can. With regards to the rest of the team, still did what he had to do. I didn't feel like at nerves. I didn't feel jangly about it. So in in that, I'm happy. But low-hanging fruit. It, it's Basuma for me, but there's not a lot to choose from. Yep. I, I, I did, I did, I agree with the old dude brothers in the comments. Trossard had some intent. Uh, I will say that the one thing I do like about Leandro, even when he was on a hide into nothing yesterday, it felt like he was so on his own uh, for a lot of periods of time. He really ain't afraid to have a shot. And sometimes that's just something we miss especially with Mope up there, there was there was a good point in time. since Because at the beginning of the season, it looked like the old Neil was back where he scored the 11 goals in that first season, where he was selfish to a fault. And we all said that actually we'd rather that than what Neil was doing last season, where he was the other way, and it was costing us opportunities. Um, Leandro is not that. I feel like he is more willing to take a shot from just about anywhere um, than most other than Bissouma, who is willing to take a shot, despite the fact that it's going to hit some poor lady in the crowd every single time. Yes. Uh, but I, I thought, I thought Trossard, I, I agree with them. I thought, I thought he did show intent and I, I do like that. He's willing to, to just have a shot. Sometimes uh, there was a moment yesterday where I think he just took a snapshot at Martinez. That was a pretty good save. And I'm sat there and I'm thinking like, I, I half wonder if Neil would have tried to square that, even though in no world should he have tried. I'm wondering if most of the 11 wouldn't have tried to square it. Mope doesn't take the Watkins chance. He doesn't take that shot. There's the confidence isn't there. Um, he squares it and then Lalana shanks it. But um, he's, he's capable. Yeah. Just the, just yeah, the confidence. Yeah. Capable. Palace, Watford, he's clearly capable. I don't know what's happened in the last six it weeks. It fell off horribly, didn't it? And, then, and lo and behold, the team did too. The, the the Trossard, about around 30 minutes in the first half, there was a loose ball from Villa. Um, Trossard ended up taking the ball and he, it felt like he held on to the ball for about 30 seconds, dancing around defenders and somehow kept a hold of it. And there was a, it felt like a chance that should have been a goal. I think it fell to someone that probably arguably shouldn't have. So yeah, but for me, look, we're talking about man of the match. Uh, Trust our social intent. This player wasn't diabolically bad. Can't, we have to have higher standards than that. We yeah. have to be looking at someone and going, you played at the level you are able to play at. Basuma, you made world-class challenges because that's what you could do. We, we have to have more players that are playing at the level they are capable and not just putting in a 90-minute shift. I, I know that we just gave Basuma man of the match, basically, but... One of one of those world class tackles came after he gave the ball away. So that's it, true. Yeah. When yeah. when we are talking about world class interceptions and tackles, he also wasn't really up to it on an attacking threat. When we do see him blast out of that midfield, get through a couple of people, and then start something, 
when he tried, he actually gave it away and then got it back. Fair play to him. But there, there, was, there is also that, that I don't think he's firing on all cylinders at the other end of the pitch, while defensively he's the best that we've got. Stats padding, is that what you've got? He's given up the ball so you can go it get a nice little tackle stat. Just yeah. done on purpose. So, <laughs> and I, I, I think, like, and I said this very near the beginning, and I definitely at least alluded to it, but Alex in the chat has said, back five in defensive midfield are sound. And I, he says a bunch of other stuff about the attacking midfield, but I think that first sentence is, I, I couldn't agree more. When I look at that back five with Lamptey, Webster, Dunk, Duffy and Kukurea, and then Sanchez when he comes back next week, I really don't have many, if any, concerns about what that back six looks like. Everything in front of that. I know that Alex has said the attack in midfield, you know, maybe we need someone to make more central runs. I'd say just the entirety of everybody in front of that six players. The other five are are championship level at this point. And it's a good job that the back six are... Well, you're not including Trossard there, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not, but he's uh, on his own. We saw it yesterday on his own. He can't do anything because yeah. he's just one man. And he's surrounded. He was surrounded yesterday by a group of players that on their day can be great, but we're just seeing their day less and less and less. And that's it. That's exactly it. We haven't seen their day for eight, eight plus games. Yeah. But it no longer becomes their day. Does it? It's more. It's it's more of a surprise when it does happen than when it doesn't. So, I think Trossard's done really well this season so far. I think he's one of our standout players. But when you starve someone of the ball for ninety minutes, there's only so much he can do. And I'm I'm by. I love Trossard. I think he's quality. But if if you're not making those chances for him in that role that Potter is currently playing him, then he can only do as much as he's given. Yeah. Coming up, because I think we've covered the game as much as we can. Uh, not great. Um, got a short week. In fact, we've got a short couple of weeks, really, because from from this weekend onwards, from the 27th onwards, we hit the Christmas stride. And we don't really come out of that Christmas stride until the 2nd of January, which is my birthday. Um, and <laughs> uh, we, we've got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games between the 27th of November and the 2nd of January. So basically in the space of a month and a week, we've got nine football games. Uh, we are going to have a real good idea. Um, at that point, I think, I know they always say 10 games, blah, 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 blah. But I think we've seen already that 10 games ain't anywhere near enough this year. I think by the 2nd of January, we really will start to see segments of the table breaking out. Um, and we will know fully where we are. Do you think, given what we're looking at coming out, because these games are Leeds, West Ham, Southampton, Spurs, Wolves, like Man United, Brentford, it's a total mixed bag. They're all over the place. It's not like we have a shit show for nine games, and it's not like we have loads of easy ones. We've got a genuine proper mixed bag, and we could be anywhere if we do find that corner turned again and we end up winning a couple of games and, you know, going into 2nd of January after Everton, you know, 11th, or we could genuinely find ourselves in 16th, 17th and shit in our pants a bit. Regardless of what position we're in, do you think our position changes the January plans or not? Do you think that if we are in 16th, 
the the January transfer window is dealt with differently than if we're in eleventh, because I don't think there actually is. A, I don't think they will. I think that whatever they're planning for January is going to happen now, regardless. But I'm yeah. curious as to what you two think. I th- I'm exactly the same. Just j- jumping in with whether we're sixth or sixteenth. Um, it's widely regarded that Bloom does not like to do any sort of business during the transfer window in January. Um, but I, I agree with you completely. I, irrespective of whether we're 6th or 16th or whichever segment we find ourselves in in the table, I think the plans will be exactly the same and they won't change. There's part of me that thinks that January is already... They, 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 after the... If we want to call them failures to, to sign players that we were hoping to sign in the summer transfer window of course the feelers are going to be still out on some of those players to see if they're going to be available in january um and i think if you had to if you had to sit down and and really truly understand the expectations of the management team going into this season they would probably look to okay well let's try and work our way up in the second half of the table right let's try and get to the sort of 13th 14th area so to think that there'd be alarm bells ringing because we've gone from you know where we were our highs in fourth position coming down to 15th 16th i mean yes it feels bad at the time for us because we've been up in the nosebleeds but it's probably in line with what the expectations were to begin with. So if anything, it might just modify some urgency or we maybe need to shore up this or we have to get someone in because Welbeck's injured. Like that's the only thing for me. Maybe we recall a player that can play that role because we've lost someone to injury. Um, I, I, I look at the fixtures and there's some concern there for sure. Uh, Leeds is... For me, we have to stop the bleeding, um, and that means we have to win a game, uh, not just not just draw. We have to win a game. Leeds presents us on paper the most opportune uh, game for us to do that. West Ham, I know they had a bit of a weird one yesterday, but not sure about that. Southampton. Yes, that's another must win. But really, if you look at where we've played our best football recently, best two games we've played in the last nine have been against Liverpool and Arsenal. So bring me Man U. Let's play Man U, let's play Spurs. Let's have those games. That's where, we, that's where I want to get three points. I'm worried about that lineup in terms of the next, the next game. So Leeds, yes. Southampton, yes. Wolves have had a little bit of a resurgence. West Ham are looking really good this season. Where I see the points coming from, I agree. Man United could be a long shot. but Car- I Carrick, new manager bounce? Or whoever the second interim manager bounce is? Or, or third or fourth by that point? <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah. But it, it is hard. Like you said, when you're, when you're looking at stopping the bleeding, it's very hard to find where we're going to be doing that. It needs to be soon, and I think it comes at Leeds or Southampton. I think West Ham are, are very good this season. It has it has to, doesn't it? It has to, because if if you if you if we don't get three points out of the Leeds game, you go into that West Ham game pretty unlikely. Suddenly, if you don't do it at Southampton, 
the alarm bells have to, it have to ring at that point. I have to. Uh, we're going to get to this in December, I'm sure, more than once in terms of transfer targets in the January transfer window, if any. Um, not right now. But I will name one name because he's been doing the rounds for the last week on Brighton Twitter. And I don't want comments before I get your answer. Straight yes or no. And then I, you can tell me why. Yes or no. <laughs> Jesse Lingard. Yes. What about him? What am I answering? Do we Would want you him? like us to grab him in January? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's three yeses. You can you can uh, wax lyrical about him now if you would like, but he uh, he has been a very divided opinion. He's you know it's all came out this week that he's pro- almost definitely going to leave. He's not signing a new contract. He's going to go for free in the summer. They're going to try and grab a couple of million from him in January just to try and make something off of him. Um, West Ham said they might be interested, but probably not given the form that they're in. I think that they're probably looking at Ben Rama and a couple of others that have come good and thinking. What's the point in supplementing that with probably bigger wages? Uh, it, and I spoke to someone else earlier on Twitter. It almost feels like a really obvious signing for us to make, which is why we won't make it. But I would like yeah. us to bring him in. I really would. It feels so obvious that that's the signing we make. But would would he would he come here? Yeah, I think he would. He did like some post about on West Ham Insta or something the other day. So it feels like he's begging. Of course, he's begging them. They're in Champions League positions. He wants to go back and join the fun again, the Moyes party. Uh, I think if he doesn't go West Ham, and I think, well, who can blame him too? It's London. Like, why wouldn't you want to go there? Champions League spot. You had a great six months there, and it's in the middle of the biggest city in the country. Well, to be fair, I am from around that area, and... <laughs> Leighton is a sh- he doesn't need to live right there he doesn't <laughs> but also it's a shit stadium isn't it let's be honest with ourselves it is the old, ru- old running track stadium that's a cricket ground yeah yeah but yes outside of the the humorous aspects why wouldn't he but who's who in the in our world is saying no to jesse lingard what planet are you of, on? there are a lot of people on Twitter saying no. And I know Twitter is not the internet entire, but it's it's outrageous that there's a lot of people saying no. Yep. Saw it a lot this week. So are we above Jesse we're above Jesse Lingard now? He clearly is still can able to be performing at a very high level. And uh, proved it last year, even online. I think he'd be a perfect signing. I think he'd be great. The, and I the, think the, that's one of those ones where you can't despite the fact he wants to go West Ham. You can't underestimate the Ashworth and Lalana effect of a player that's out of England's reckoning in trying to reinvigorate his career. If West Ham ain't an option, we are, if we're interested, I think that we would have an awful great deal of swing with him to convince him to come in terms of it being the right place for him that isn't West Ham. We have a good track track record of, of signing ex-England internationals with names beginning with L. So it'd be <laughs> foolish if we didn't go after him. <laughs> hey, devil's advocate in terms of, well, I, I put Lingard as a confidence player as well. So when he's at Man United and when he's getting trusted by Moyes, is that a confidence player that will be able to play with that same ability? Uh, well, especially how well or how 
badly we're doing at the moment. It didn't feel like West Ham were doing that well when he came in last time, though, and it felt like he galvanised it. So, yes, I think you're right, but it did, he came in and it just it was like, well, now I'm not under, I'm not on the Oli bus. I'm free, um, and he, he he turned the team around. So I think you're yes, you're right, but at the same time, do that for us too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I do, I do sit here and look at the other things we're looking at here and I'll, I'll, I'm just having a page load in but our under 23s team is fourth in Premier League 2 current our women's team are third in the women's Premier League which is outstanding uh, USG atop of the Belgian Pro League by an outrageous amount almost like they have like the in-game editor on, on Football Manager um <laughs> And we are in ninth and, as you said, kind of inevitably sinking down the table. And I just wonder what, like, what, what isn't right here that is becoming so right everywhere else in the entire infrastructure that Tony's building? Because the under-23s are performing to expectation and hope. I suppose hope is like a big word, like, because they're, they're putting this all together. USG are committing basically a Leicester, which is like almost impossible. Our women's team are almost doing the same thing, sitting where they are in the Women's Premier League. They have no right to be there. That's outrageous for, for them, given the funding and just the outrageous amounts of money that's going into that Arsenal ladies, Chelsea ladies, Manchester City, who are playing like dog shit from the looks of it, and Spurs. Those four are just pouring in money to their women's teams and I mean, Arsenal have for years and years and years, but we're in third place and, and look like we deserve to be there. I just I just wonder where where things aren't clicking in the 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 men's team, the men's adult team, I guess. I, I don't understand where the infrastructure is going wrong. We're ninth in the Premier League. For now. For now. It's the hardest league in the world, the most competitive league in the world with the most money being poured into it. And uh, it's it's not that I know you could say the same in terms of the other the, the other divisions that you just talked about when it comes to, well, yes, we are not funded in the same way or they are overachieving relevant to their to their stature in those leagues. But every club in the premiership wants to wants to be at the top of that table they just do and we're seeing if you look at the table right now we are on the same points as Man U two behind Spurs we're ahead of Palace Everton Leicester City the sweethearts of the league it's just it's not easy it's not easy and we have the infrastructure to to build we, we don't need to obviously Bloom's by piling a lot of money but we're doing it in the right way with with it being a medium-term plan as opposed to let's get short-term results right now and get up there as quickly as possible, maybe with a little bit more money than it should take. I think the infrastructure's there. You're seeing it come leaps and bounds with the under-23s, the women's division. We'll start to see those under-23s come through and start to, again, use your, your Evan Ferguson's, your Morans, your Ed Turns, your Mark Leonard's and try and integrate them into that team where we maintain a consistent infrastructure of let's 
raise the profile of these of these young guys. Uh, if they do move on a la Ben White, then we use that money to reinvest. So we're looking at a self-sustainable infrastructure here, not blood money putting us at the top of the table. Um, yeah, and for, yeah. for, for me, I, I, I like that. Um, I appreciate that the club that I know and love and I support is looking to a sustainable approach where we can actually build something for the long term so that we don't capitulate like a Bolton or a Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, it's important for me to know that, you know, we're doing our best, but we're also doing it in the right way. I think it's a great point. That is a great point. And, and the fact that if, if you look at where we're at, we have a form problem right now. We have a form problem. And if this turns around a little bit, if we make, if we get some confidence coming back into the team, if we make a signing that can galvanize the team, uh, in, in January, well, then it starts to look so different because then you are then, okay, well, let's, let's see if we can sneak into the top half table. Let's see if we can solidify around 10th to 12th. We have to remember that not that long ago, the expectation was we're in a relegation dogfight. And, and if we can get anywhere beyond that this season, massive win, massive win. I think, Maybe we've been spoiled by the good start that we're looking at us four, fifth in the table, a couple of wins that, you know, we're fortunate. The, the reality is, is we just don't want to be in that relegation dogfight. I, I would take up a mid table any day of the week. And if we continue to linger around the 10th to 14th and we stay in that segment, as we said, then that's a good season it, where, where we want to be and making progress, albeit small, the philosophy's there. We're trying to play in a certain way. And that's a small increment on the good results that we're looking at and a long-term plan, not trying to get there as quickly as we can. I would bite your yeah. hand off for just not going down until yeah. we until this this stuff progresses in the way they want it to. I would be I would be perfectly happy with finishing 17th. I would be disappointed that the start that we've had is could be dwindled away, but at the same time. Staying up is more important than anything. And we're not at that point to be a top 10 side yet. And I think that's where the frustration comes in, is when you have... I know you should just not listen to people online, but it's tough, isn't it? When you keep having people... Similar to the conversation you had yesterday, Adam, things are actually great. They're not great. They're they're where they plan them to be, but that isn't a great thing. That's just fine. Like there are still things that we should be criticizing this team for. And there are still things that we should be criticizing the club for, because there are things that they could do if they wanted to, to improve it a little bit quicker. I'm fine with not improving it, but let's not pretend that there isn't those problems. And I think that's where I I just need to stop reading those things probably. But no. (laughs) Yeah, that's the head in the sand is, is just as unhelpful as, um, us just saying everything is terrible. The sky's falling in. We're going down, um, and we need four strikers coming. And I have to go and order my signed Darwin Nunez T-shirt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no need when we have a 25 year old German uh, with 15 goals, uh, 15 appearances, 13 goals, nine assists, and uh, as took USG to the top of the division. Dennis Undav is uh, is going to be the the feeder club extraordinaire that can come in. Um, only twenty five, 
But you got you got Van der Zier as well, who's close to that. Just got called up to the Belgium squad. Got two very good strikers doing doing bits there. So Matoma can have a word, and they can both come in January. Yeah, <laughs> it won't even be Matoma, will it? It'll be Tony saying, "Oi, <laughs> you don't have you don't have much of a choice in the matter." Yeah. All all three of you, hurry up. We need them to uh, we need them to have so much of a points gap that they can't catch us at that point, and they can Mate, just give us a six month loan. That's been the master plan all along. Make yeah. sure you're that far up front by January. You can just put it in autopilot. Um, and uh, Alex, before we wrap, this is actually a really great one, and I feel this way so much as well. Yeah, Look where we were twenty years ago. Don't forget where you've come from. Great. I was at Crew and Rotherham and shitholes stockport as well doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive for better i don't care that where we were 20 years ago all three of us were there 20 years ago we know what it was like we we went to these grounds to chesterfield to just <laughs> awful places with like wooden seats we did this we know like but we're allowed to want more like that's allowed like and it should be encouraged you should want more that's the whole point it's not very fun if you're just going to sit there in 17th every single year and like be fine with it. That's not. That's not. There's, right. there's a nice. There's a nice balance you have to make between. Yeah. Things are good, but we do want better than this. So, it, that's where you you stay off the twitters and and the social medias of the world, especially yesterday, uh, where every Adam said the sky was falling. Everything sucks. You know, the reality is. We are where we are. We're ninth in the table. We have a good chance next week against Leeds to take it to a team that presses very high and runs a lot. Uh, typically, we do better against those sides than if we do if we're facing two banks of four. So let's, let's see. Just about sums it up. Next yeah. week will be a good one. Uh, to, from what I can gather, we're playing the most entertaining and one of the greatest teams in world football. So it should be a really good... <laughs> Uh, good entertaining back and forth. Um. Electric football. The Bielsa, yeah, the, the Argentinian Alex Ferguson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Slash Pep. Yes. Yeah. How foolish of me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we will see you all next weekend um, for match review and, and whatever the hell goes on this week. We are the late kickoff. Uh, for anybody over in the states we are 12 30 eastern um don't forget your time changes if you're on mountain time because you're not going to be you may end up rolling in an hour late and that wouldn't well it may end up being ideal but just in case <laughs> uh, keep an eye on it um and then from then on like we said it's a, it's a lot of football that wednesday saturday sunday wednesday saturday sunday wednesday boom 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 no messing about we are going to find out real quick where that cloth is cut so we will see you all next week and have a great thanksgiving if you're american happy thanksgiving um or if you're in america and are going to enjoy a bunch of days off because of it as well like me uh and you too as well i hope <laughs> yep. i'm surprised if they're making you work thursday uh, yeah oh, absolutely not. <laughs> no i'm not going to work but i'm also not going to give any thanks because they're not from here so yeah <laughs> agreed uh, yeah perfect thanks for listening everyone all right thanks guys